For years now, Donald Trump has dominated certain media outlets. But lately, something has started to shift. In general, what you've seen is a kind of de-emphasis of the sort of cult of personality of Donald Trump that Fox News, the New York Post, even the Wall Street Journal to a certain degree sort of occupied for you know the bulk of his presidency and certainly during the campaign. And what you're seeing is kind of this element of new personalities in the Republican Party being tested out. That is The Washington Post's Sarah Ellison. She has been reporting on the media empire that has done more for Trump's political fortunes than any other, the one owned by Rupert Murdoch. So he's made his fortune on reading the political winds and following them, even though he does put his finger on the scale when he can. The advantage of owning all kinds of different media properties is that he can do a lot of different things at once. Recently, several high-profile Trump scandals have put Trump and Murdoch's relationship to the test and into the spotlight. There are very few relationships where the outcome of the relationship has such a big effect on the politics of the country. So we're all sort of living in their world, and it's these two very old men dancing around one another for dominance and sometimes mutual benefit. And it's kind of impossible not to be interested in the outcome of what that's going to look like. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, August 19th. Today, the complicated relationship between Trump and Murdoch and what it means for the future of American politics. Sarah spoke with my colleague, Alahe Azadi, who is also a media reporter. Sarah, you're an expert on the Murdoch family. You've done tons of reporting on Rupert Murdoch. Can you tell us about who Rupert Murdoch is and what do we know about him as a person? Rupert Murdoch is one of the, if not the most powerful media figure of the 20th and 21st century. He's someone who grew out of Australia into the UK and now in the United States as someone who has constantly provided a conservative counterweight to what he calls the mainstream media. And he was somebody who was the first to really be able to create an alternate media universe. Rupert Murdoch's family controls two different media groups. One of them, News Corporation, controls a variety of newspapers, including The Sun in London, The Times of London, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post. Then there's Fox, which controls Fox Sports, Fox News, and Fox Entertainment. Rupert Murdoch is sort of famous for being intensely interested in the content that is produced by his news properties. He rolls up his sleeves, gets into the headlines, he reads his newspapers, he marks them up with a pen, he's making calls constantly to his executives, but he's definitely not just a numbers guy. He's intensely interested in the political stories that his outlets are covering and the business stories that his outlets are covering.
Okay, let's get into Rupert Murdoch's relationship with Donald Trump. Where did this relationship begin? Rupert Murdoch first got to know Donald Trump as a source and subject of his tabloid New York Post. So Donald Trump somewhat famously impersonated his own publicist um, and would call tabloids and, and other outlets. And everybody was sort of in on the joke. He was not someone that Murdoch necessarily respected as a politician at all. Of course, he wasn't a politician for most of his life. And so Rupert Murdoch was someone who was a real billionaire in the billionaire class of New York City. And Donald Trump was sort of more of an entertainment figure for much of that time. Rupert Murdoch, however, was not a fan of Donald Trump during the 2016 primary. I am officially running for president of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. Even you know during that campaign, when Donald Trump was mocking John McCain for his service in the Vietnam War and becoming a prisoner of war when he was making fun of Mexican immigrants, Rupert Murdoch tweeted something to the effect of, when is Donald Trump going to stop embarrassing himself and his friends? And, wow. you know, so you could see very publicly that it was, there was a lack of comfort and Rupert Murdoch was not interested in Donald Trump. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs. And disgusting there was a fascinating moment, and everyone who was paying attention to the Republican primary will remember this. There was a Fox News-hosted debate where Megyn Kelly asked a very pointed question of Donald Trump and his treatment of women and his discussion of women. Your Twitter account has several disparaging comments about women's looks. You once told a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice it would be a pretty picture to see her on her knees. Does that sound to you like the temperament of a man we should elect as president? And how will you answer the charge from Hillary Clinton, who is likely to be the Democratic nominee, that you are part of the war on women? And Trump then turned and attacked her relentlessly. And what you saw was Fox's audience turn on Megyn Kelly. What I say is what I say. And honestly, Megyn, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've been very nice to you, although I could probably maybe not be based on the way you have treated me, but I wouldn't do that. But with the momentum, I mean, there there was a fascinating shift that happened during the campaign, and it, it exemplifies the kind of pragmatism that Rupert Murdoch has always brought to his businesses and his news businesses, which is that he wants to shape the culture and he wants to shape the conversation. But when it gets away from him, he chases after it very quickly to get some measure of control back again. So what he did was ended up giving Donald Trump an enormous amount of coverage and airspace on Fox News. Okay, so once Trump is elected, he's in office for four years and you know, a lot of people recall that Fox News gave a lot of favorable coverage to Donald Trump. 
What was the relationship between Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump then? Were they communicating regularly? Based on my reporting, people have told me that Rupert Murdoch was one of Trump's top five outside of the White House consultants, meaning that he relied on Murdoch for weekly, if not daily, advice and just to be a sounding board Mm. for Trump in terms of his kind of decision-making. Behind the scenes, Murdoch and Trump were talking very frequently, a lot of the times about Rupert Murdoch's business interests and the advice that he had for Trump on a variety of different topics. So it was a mutually beneficial relationship for much of his presidency. After the break, Alahe and Sarah talk about how things started to change in this relationship and what that means for the political future of the country. We'll be right back. Sarah, I want to revisit a moment that felt like a big inflection point when Trump really started to turn on Fox, and that was election night 2020. I think there's there's one clear concern on behalf of the Trump campaign at the moment. Right. And there was a moment relatively early on in the night that Fox News made a surprise call that Arizona, which is a red state and has, and has voted for a Republican in almost all of the modern-day presidential elections, had flipped for Joe Biden. Why is Arizona blue? Did we just call it? Did we make a call in Arizona? And this call was a surprise not only to Bill Hemmer, who was the on-air personality who was announcing the results as they came in. Now there's a check mark. Did our decision desk make it? Arizona, 11 electoral votes? Yes, we can confirm. Okay, if that's the case then, guys, uh, when we come back, we'll fill this in. But it was a massive shock to Trump and his supporters who were at a big victory party at the White House where all of the televisions were tuned to Fox News. And Trump, we now know, was planning to declare victory no matter what the results of the election were. But having Fox, his biggest cheerleader make this announcement that a key state had flipped for Biden really put a wrench into his plans. It it was a real rupture and a real public rupture. And he lashed out publicly and relentlessly for weeks and months afterward, telling everyone who would listen while he was still on Twitter and, you know, and in every other outlet that he could find that Fox was no longer to be trusted. And it was a moment that really rattled a lot of people who were watching Fox and thinking that no longer was Fox kind of in the same camp as their beloved Donald Trump, and that if they wanted to remain loyal to Trump, they had to leave Fox News. But, you know, now Fox is in hot water over how it talked about the 2020 election and what it put on its airwaves. It's facing huge defamation lawsuits from two different voting technology companies over segments that Fox aired with Trump attorneys who said that these companies helped to steal votes for Joe Biden. What has Fox's reaction been to these lawsuits? And have you seen 
any difference in the way Fox covers Trump since these lawsuits were filed? Or is that are the lawsuits irrelevant to that? Oh, I mean, the lawsuits are central to the question of how Fox covered the 2020 election and how they cover and continue to cover Donald Trump. Trump attorneys such as Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani were frequent guests on some of Fox's shows, sort of cheerleading some of these messages that the election was not legitimate and that Trump had actually won. Well, I know for, I can prove that they did it in Michigan. I can prove it with witnesses. Uh, we're an, investigating the rest. In every one of those states, though, we have more than enough illegal ballots already documented to overturn the result in that state. And then when the lawsuits hit, you saw Fox react pretty swiftly where they had to backtrack. And initially what they did was they aired a sort of retraction corrective telling viewers that these were not actually valid complaints, um, that Smartmatic and Dominion had not been taken over and, you know, compromised in some way. And then you saw Fox really pull back on those kinds of messages. And so behind the scenes is this is something that really rattled the executive ranks and also the Murdochs. And they realized that they had a real problem on their hands. What they needed to do is then sort of figure out what the best defense strategy was going to be. And what Fox did was find other people who challenged um, Trump's false election claims. And they they did their darndest to come up with lots and lots of voices that that had done that. And what you see now is that Fox is really trying to tread quite carefully on how they relay Trump's false election claims. And what has Rupert Murdoch said about the 2020 election and Trump? He addressed this directly on an investor call where he said that conservatives have a real stake in the future direction of the country, but they were not well served by the fact that Donald Trump continued to look backwards towards the 2020 election. Finally, the current American political debate is profound, whether about education or welfare or economic opportunity. And it's crucial that conservatives play an active, forceful role in that debate. But that will not happen if President Trump stays focused on the past. The past is the past, and the country is now in a contest to define the future. It's sort of a warning shot. He's saying that in order to have Murdoch's support, Trump is going to need to move off this message. I mean, Rupert Murdoch is legitimately interested in politics, and he's also legitimately interested in having um, conservative policies, you know, be successful in the country. And what he sees Donald Trump is doing is sort of becoming not only sort of boring in his messaging, but not viable, not only as a political candidate, but also as a kind of media voice that Murdoch could really get behind. I want to talk specifically about the January 6th hearings. They were a pretty big TV moment, aired on many different outlets. How did the outlets that Rupert Murdoch owns cover these hearings, and what takeaways should we have from their approach? So... The Rupert Murdoch-controlled news properties covered January 6th in a pretty interesting way. One, 
Fox News did not cover the primetime hearings on the main channel. They relegated— they were the outlier, right? In they that were, regard. yeah. I mean, the 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 sense that everyone, every other cable news outlet was airing uninterrupted on their air. Fox relegated those primetime moments to Fox Business, and while Fox News did air the daytime hearings live, their most watched shows are the ones in primetime, where Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, opinion hosts are the opinion hosts. And, I mean, the audience that tunes into Fox during those hours really dwarfs the rest of the day. And Fox's decision to be the only cable network that was not going to air those hearings was a real statement that they were going to give their audience sort of what they wanted, which was something other than the January 6th hearing. They They were allowing those people to ignore or even mock what the January 6th hearings were engaged in. Unlike his opinion hosts, who were urging people to do anything but pay attention to what was going on inside those hearing rooms, Rupert Murdoch was paying quite close attention to what was coming out. And he definitely was troubled by what he was seeing and hearing. And he made that known in a variety of different ways, most publicly, There were a pair of editorials that came out on the same day um, after some incredibly blockbuster moments in the January 6th hearing room where both the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal attacked Donald Trump. And while it was not the first time that those papers had done this, both of those editorials were seen as the most public representation of what Rupert Murdoch was thinking about Donald Trump's political viability. What about the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago? Did that storyline change anything? Did we see a shift once again in Fox News, for instance, and how it's covering Trump? Absolutely. I mean, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago was a galvanizing moment for a lot of people in Trump's base. Well, look, it's it's all a lie. Look, I mean, go through this, right? All of this lacks any sort of common sense, logical reasoning. If it was not- a moment where people who had been sort of hedging about Donald Trump could really find their footing, that that there was a real outrage factor that was was getting a lot of currency and people could really get behind the idea that this was government overreach and persecution of Donald Trump. Well, and right now, Trump, you know, he's campaigning again in recent months, both for candidates from Republican primaries and, you know, maybe even for himself as he considers another presidential Mm -hmm. run in 2024. And what I'm hearing is there's sort of this like kind of hedging a little bit. Um, Where do you see things stand right now as Trump might consider another run? Do we know how Rupert Murdoch feels about this? Rupert Murdoch has never been an unadulterated fan of Donald Trump. But he found in him great political and business expediency. And as soon as that stops, Rupert Murdoch will abandon Donald Trump. But the jury is still out about what Trump is going to do, how powerful he remains in the Republican Party, and what the audience wants. And so the outcome of the story is still unknown 
to even somebody like Rupert Murdoch, he doesn't know if and how Donald Trump is going to run and if that's going to be something that is good for his business or not. Yeah. Well, it's like that question that so many people are grappling with right now. Like, one, is Trump going to run? And two, if he does, like, how powerful is he still really? And of all people, even Rupert Murdoch, whose fortunes are tied up in this question, he doesn't even know, it seems like. Right. And he's watching closer than anyone what Trump's political future will be. And and, you know, no one has as much money tied up in this as Rupert Murdoch. You know, if his audience wants to watch Donald Trump, he's going to show them Donald Trump. And it's sort of an open question how much um, that audience still really wants that. I mean, we saw recently that Fox aired live a speech that Mike Pence gave on the same day that Donald Trump gave you know, his own rally. And Fox did not carry the Trump rally live and only aired snippets of it sort of throughout the day in, in its other news reporting. But there, if you're going to make a, a guess on where is Fox putting its emphasis, you can clearly see that they were giving Pence much more airtime. But it's all kind of like beta testing. They're seeing right. what the audience will tune into and what they want. And, you know, the crowd at Pence's speech was much smaller than the crowd at Trump's rally. Sarah, stepping back a bit here, why do you think this is so intriguing to people, this relationship between these two men? Rupert Murdoch has become sort of legendary in his ability to pick political winners. And nowhere has he enjoyed a closer relationship than what he had with Donald Trump during Trump's presidency. Trump himself is a complete media figure and something of a media creation. So I think that there's an element of these two sort of modern-day um, political forces and media forces that are in a sort of dance with one another. But if you look at his history and the way that he has handled tricky political candidates in the past, this is a perfect time to really analyze the way that someone like Rupert Murdoch can shift his attention and shift his support in ways that benefit his media properties and his business. So he can sort of play all sides of the field. Thanks for your time, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Sarah Ellison and Elahe Izadi cover media for The Post. This story was produced by Sabi Robinson. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Ted Muldoon is our senior producer. Our editor is Lexi Diao. Our producers are Charlotte Freeland, Ariel Plotnik, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, and Rennie Spernovsky. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. Our intern is Natalie Bettendorf. And the post-director of audio is Renita Jablonski. And this week, we are also welcoming a new member to our team, producer Eliza Dennis. Eliza, we're so happy to have you. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.